Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on this weekend edition, uh, some more headlines coming out about uh, what happened with the school shooting in Florida. And, of course, some of the teenagers continue to talk about what they want to see happen as far as the gun laws in this nation are concerned. And uh, there's an interesting write-up about how we should just step back and listen to the children. And they even talk about what the Bible says about that. Unfortunately, they don't understand it. We're going to talk about what the Bible actually says in this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us today here on Trumpet Radio Live. This is the weekend edition on 101.3 KPCG. We are uh, happy to announce to everyone that if you're in the local area and you like to listen over the air, we're back on the air. Most people listen on the internet, but we're back on the air because we had an ice storm here, and then now it finally melted off, and nice to be able to drive around a little bit without worrying about uh, all the ice. I'm Floyd Falk, Grant Turgeon here today as well, and uh, so we had... uh, an interesting week. Two days of school canceled. Monday was President's Day, so the kids. This is only their second day back at school, so they had they had one of those uh, weeks you dream of as a child. Yeah, three out of five days. You you almost never get that uh, in any week unless you're on some sort of longer spring or summer break. Uh, President's Day, my my wife and I actually went to the mall and we were just surprised when everything at this whole the whole mall was like seventy percent off. Didn't even think that maybe it was because it was a holiday, <laughs> and then also it was packed, which it hadn't been recently either. Yeah, we actually we went out to uh, lunch that day, and it was just packed too. I was, and I thought, oh, of course the kids aren't in school. Yeah, and I was there taking my kids out, so I'm like, well, obviously. <laughs> so it was a little busier, but anyway, we were off the air, just uh, broadcast for a day or two because there was so much ice on the tower and everything. So that's taken care of now. And uh, we're back. Uh, And, of course, we're online, so that doesn't get affected by the weather, thankfully. Lots of uh, headlines to look at today, including a lot about the school shooting. This one just came out here recently. Uh, Florida school officer waited outside building for four minutes as killings happened, sheriff says. Really, uh, boy, tough story here. A uh, Stoneman Douglas school resource officer has been suspended without pay after Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel said video shows him taking up a defensive position during the shooting but never entering the school. Israel announced Thursday that the decision to suspend the deputy was made after reviewing video from the shooting and taking statements from witnesses and from the officer himself. He should have went in, addressed the killer, and killed the killer, Israel said. Peterson was armed and on campus during the shooting, according to Israel, since he met the requirements for retirement the uh, suspended officer opted to resign after he was told he was being suspended. So really tough situation there. I don't know if there'd be any penalty for that. Um, that guy's got to feel pretty bad. I can't, I can't even imagine how you would feel knowing what happened. And, and and whatever happened with him, whether he froze or he thought that was the best thing to do, I don't know. But it's another wrinkle to this uh, just tragic story. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of options here. He obviously... Uh, 
might have been afraid of seeing what was behind the door when he tried to get in. Or maybe he just didn't know the protocol, wasn't in communication like he should have been. It doesn't say he defied any direct orders to go into the school, so maybe he wasn't even aware that he was supposed to do that. Uh, there's There are a lot of questions here, but um, the thing that stood out to me here was that this uh, this police chief actually is he's assigning blame, which is the same thing that he did in the CNN town hall the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was blaming lack of gun legislation when his uh, policemen allegedly showed up at that guy's home 39 times. So this wouldn't have even been possible if any of those times they'd actually taken any kind of action. It is one of the hardest things for human beings to do uh, to admit that they're wrong. And that uh, Mr. Herbert Armstrong wrote about that quite a bit in in, uh, a lot of the books he wrote over the years talking about just the need for humans. We have a need to change and repent at various points in life. And so you see it come up in, in... Whenever a story hits the news, like the school shooting, everybody wants to point the finger. And it's hard for people to accept, like, oh, we made some mistakes here. And humans just don't want to do that. Exactly. This this police chief also had this, uh, he's a big proponent of the Baker Act, which allows police to discern that certain people are a danger. And then the police officers can go into those people's homes and confiscate their guns, which doesn't sound uh, the best because we know of a lot of other nations that have done things like that. And sure enough massacres ensued because of the government having too much power but why why is it that he wants the police to have all the power but not any law-abiding citizens why doesn't he want any law-abiding teachers in the school to have guns either yeah it's really fascinating how there's so much conversation revolving around this particular school shooting and yet very little of it focuses on the actual shooter anymore like that person's fallen out of the news almost and now it's all about, you know, what did the police do? What did they not do? What did the FBI do? What about the gun laws? And maybe some of those conversations need to happen. But uh, as was pointed out on the Trumpet Daily, I think it was yesterday, there's a lot of talking, but have you seen any sort of solutions? Have you seen any sort of unity or, or common sense even come out of this? It just seems more divisive every day. Right. They, that's what the the left is saying, that we need common sense gun regulations, which uh, really they do already exist. And short of taking away the Second Amendment, uh, what else are people going to do about it? Yeah. And then even there, uh, even if that were to happen, there's still plenty of guns and plenty of people with them. The gangs aren't going to put down their weapons, you know. <laughs> so now you've got you've got a, a whole swath of, you know, the country. If, if they were to do something like repeal the Second Amendment where, you know, nobody has a weapon. And the gangs know that, too. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh, boy. What a yeah. disaster. Someone was writing about this issue and basically said if you went into any city and had any money with you, you could come back with a gun within an hour. I mean, that's – and it's not like you're buying them legally. It's just there are a lot of guns on the black market that people could obtain – uh, those people will still be armed because they're breaking the law to get their guns in the first place. It's not like they're just going to willing, willingly give them up as soon as the law is passed. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be great to even just step back even from the gun debate and say, well, okay, how many things are illegal in this nation, and are they here? <laughs> is uh, heroin legal? Uh, methamphetamines, you name it, all the drugs that are out there. Uh, are those things legal? No, they're illegal, so we don't have a problem with them anymore, right? Nope. They're still <laughs> everywhere. So, I mean, why would it be different with guns, right? You never have to worry about somebody that's a law-abiding citizen going out and getting drugs because they don't do it. They're law-abiding. 
Same thing with using a, a firearm incorrectly. You don't have to worry about it with a law-abiding citizen. <laughs> the criminal element, that's, the, that's where the issue is, whether it's guns or any other thing, any other topic we could talk about. And the issue has been framed as if a legislator's pen is just going to completely do away with the problem. Like one bill that really doesn't even make logical sense, banning certain guns while other guns that are exactly the same are still allowed, uh, that is going to be the solution somehow. It, it doesn't even make any sense. And just like what happened at that CNN town hall the other night, everyone applauded when Marco Rubio said, you do realize that this means getting rid of literally every semi-automatic rifle in the entire nation. They all applauded that. That's that's the actual goal is to take away all guns. They're talking about right now maybe introducing measures that will slowly uh, take away some freedoms or, you know, introduce a few more barriers to buying a gun. But the whole end goal is to take away all guns. Has it happened in other nations before? What has happened in those nations when that was allowed to take place? Yeah. And, and can you imagine if even if something like that happened where they made a, a law or they repealed the Second Amendment or some some level of it, how, how, how are you going to go get those weapons? Who's going to go get them? <laughs> you know, I mean, it just opens up this whole other we, – we have illegal immigrants running all over the country. We can't even we can't even track or don't care to track living human beings. <laughs> We're not, you know, how are they going to go get the uh, the weapons from said individuals, whether they're here illegally or not? Well, yeah, and there's around people say 325 million, but that was like 20 years ago that that was estimated. There's probably more like 500 million guns in the country. Illegals could be up to like 20 million or 40 million. We're not really sure because that's not exactly tracked the right. way it should be. Otherwise, we'd probably get them all out. But that's a lot less people, and we're not really taking care of that problem either. Yeah, it's just more and more problems. Here's a good note, though, from the, that school shooting. Sometimes people are very heroic, and this is worth mentioning. There's a, a Parkland teen who was shot five times protecting his classmates from gunfire. Anthony uh, Borges, a 15-year-old uh, sophomore there at... Uh, at uh, the Douglas High School. He was credited with saving the lives of at least 20 students. He was shot five times while protecting his classmates. He is in the hospital recovering. So quite heroic. It's always interesting when uh, something happens that is unexpected and it's traumatizing. You know, people go different ways. Some people get frozen in fear. Others become heroes. And I don't know. I don't know what, you know, why it goes that way. Um, I guess you don't know till you're in that situation, but some people really step up like this young fellow and uh, help save about 20 of his fellow classmates. And it might have a little bit to do with who uh, these people's heroes are. If they do admire the military and the police and they really understand uh, the sacrifice and the bravery that goes into those jobs, they might, they might be kind of almost waiting for a situation like that to step up and, and to help because, uh, their mentality is that those are the greatest people in the country, the ones that actually give their lives to sacrifice like that. I mean, there was that that one boy who uh, basically had that fake question given to him by CNN, allegedly, uh, for the town hall. He he picked up a two-by-four, and one of his friends picked up uh, a fire extinguisher, or vice versa, and they were going to go out, out of the door and beat the kid down if, if he came anywhere near their classroom. I mean, that that's amazing. Uh, those are the real heroes, not the ones who were maybe hiding in the closet and now yelling at senators uh, a few days later. Yeah, that's I had the same thought. Um, that young man was uh, an ROTC, or is in the ROTC, and he, 
he did protect his classmates there at the school. I would be more interested in what a young man like that has to say. Yeah. And what his thinking is because his actions spoke so loudly as opposed to just anybody's, you know, comments about things. So uh, anyway, that's that is a, a good, I guess, story from a tragic event there. Uh, we had this sent in to us from a listener. It's from the Daily Beast. Uh, President Trump said maybe they have to put a rating system on movies. This is kind of a snarky piece, so they're trying to make fun of the president a little bit. But he, he made some good points, and that's what I want to focus on. Uh, during a meeting Thursday with state lawmakers, President Trump suggested violent entertainment is to blame for mass shootings in the United States. I don't know that he completely blamed it on that, but it does have part of the blame, and I think he's 100% correct on that. Absolutely, and this is uh, something like we were talking about the other day, and there have been a lot of different advocacy groups in the nation that have brought up this point, too, uh, and of course a lot of religious groups. It What goes into people's minds is reflected in what, what people say, what people do. I mean, that's in the Bible. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You could also say that's what guides our actions, too. But here we're just trying to pretend like, well, it's only an issue of who's able to buy guns. It doesn't matter what people are consuming in terms of their media and entertainment. It's just about the weapon itself. Right. And what goes into the mind, like you said, is so important. President Trump said, we have to look at the Internet because a lot of bad things are happening to young kids and young minds and their minds are being formed. That's a great point. He said, we have to do something about maybe what they're seeing and how they're seeing it. And also video games. I'm hearing more and more people say the level of violence on video games is really shaping young people's thoughts. How about it? How about that? Isn't that worth thinking about? And they they write this up and then they laugh at him like, oh, come on. He is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. What about the violent video games? What about the violent movies? What about what's on the Internet? Isn't that important? Absolutely it is. But see, we've just completely surrendered. It's like the war on drugs. We've surrendered. So it's not a problem anymore because we can't face it and overcome it. Right. We have given in, and people are too intrigued by video games where you can play as the soldiers, but you can also play as the terrorist and actually try to blow up airports. There are a lot of games where you play the role of an assassin or a hitman. Um, there's movies where people are drawn into these like death traps and they're a game for the sick killer. Uh, a lot of these things are just really, really warped and dark and satanic, yet they're presented as mainstream. The, the video game Grand Theft Auto, the, the, all the series, it's come out with many different versions because of how popular it is. And that's a kind of game where you can basically get in a car, run everyone over on the sidewalk, get out and shoot whoever you want, beat up the prostitutes that are in the game. There's a lot of just horrible things that are going on in these games. But we think that somehow, even even in the case of video games where we're actually carrying these things out digitally, it will have no effect in, on what we do in real life. That's amazing. It does affect all sorts of moods and attitudes. And uh, occasionally we will uh, rent a movie if there's something worth renting out there. And just scrolling through the whatever's out there to, to view the new movies... I, I can't even have my kids over my shoulder looking right. because the covers of some of these films just that you'd see on the online are so bad that you can't even look at the image right. of the movie and you know what's in it. So uh, I completely agree with what the president's saying here. Yeah, he's he's definitely spot on, and it's sad that a lot of outlets like the Daily Beast in this case just decide to immediately ridicule it. They don't even put any thought into it um, except for that well, the president said it, so he's automatically wrong. Why? Why can't we think about every idea 
and discern what is right and wrong here. Yeah, and, and the author in this piece, he doesn't come back with any sort of counterpoint. He just makes fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'll, I'll say what he said, and then I'll just make fun of him. Well, that's not proof. One last <laughs> quote from the president here. It says, you see movies, they're so violent. And yet a kid is able to see the movie if sex isn't involved. <laughs> of course, a lot of times I see that too. He continues and says, but killing is involved, and maybe they have to put a rating system for that. You get into a whole very complicated, very big deal. But the fact is that you are having movies come out that are so violent with a killing and everything else that maybe there's another uh, thing we're going to have to discuss. And so they made fun of them because they do have ratings for violence. But I think his point is that maybe they need to have more strict ratings or more specific ones or do something to stop kids from seeing these things. And maybe adults, too. How about that? Right. And these these are actually solutions that get back to the beginning. Because like we said yesterday, every thought, every word, every action starts in the mind. He's trying to talk about things that begin in the mind. It's way before a shooter, a potential shooter, goes out and obtains the weapon and works himself into a state of rage and insanity to where he could even carry a shooting out. It's it's starting back in the mind and trying to figure out what thoughts was this person having uh, before he even went as far as to get a gun and to shoot people. Right. It's so I think he had some great quotes there, but again, immediately people mock it. And I think one of the reasons people mock it is because they're so saturated with that entertainment that they don't want to give it up. So isn't there was a story even a few days ago about how in Florida they didn't want to <clears throat> look at changing any gun laws, uh, but they did make some statements about how dangerous pornography is, and that got ridiculed. Oh, just ridiculed. Because uh, why? Well, the truth is because so many people consume pornography, they don't want to give it up. Right, and their reasoning there is that, well, I'm not shooting anyone. I'm not out there assaulting anybody. So clearly it's not bad material to uh, consume. And yet the problems that come from that, don't they're, they're not just whether you shoot or rape. I mean, those are the extremes. But just the depression that can come from putting those, those types of images in your mind all the time, uh, obviously bad marriages and other relationships, um, maybe a tendency toward more violence on a lower level instead of going as far as shooting people. Uh, all those things result from that cut, that type of material. But people say, well, I haven't gone to this extreme, so of course I can still consume it. Well, even just cause and effect, like you're saying, I mean, it, people that are involved <clears throat> in some of those things and don't get out of it, oftentimes they have a failed marriage or they'll have other problems. Well, what happens to the child? Um, they usually get pretty upset, and eventually there are some cases where what do you have happen? A kid goes and does something, and everyone says, oh, how did it happen? Well, maybe look up the tree a little bit of the family, mm -hmm. and maybe maybe it was for, you know, maybe it was a couple of steps down that line, and even though the, that person at the, at the top or the beginning of the trouble didn't technically commit the act, they might have started the ball rolling to where it ended up that way. I mean, you can't be so naive as to think there's no cause and effect, like things just don't matter. You know, just because one person watches something and they don't go out and actually commit the act themselves, that doesn't mean that they're not guilty. I mean, they might even be directly involved in some acts if you, you know, put you connect all the dots. Yeah, that's a really amazing point, just how pornography actually could lead to a school shooter. It's just going to be several steps removed. But if pornography tears apart a marriage and then kids are growing up bouncing back and forth between each parent where they live... And then maybe when they're when they're bullied at school for being a little bit more awkward for not having 
the social interaction that they should have had in a complete home, then they don't come home to a support structure, the, 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 the nuclear family that should be in place at home. So they don't have anywhere to turn anymore. They get angry about what they're facing and maybe they get prescribed some antidepressant drugs. Maybe they get a, a gun on the black market somehow and they carry out an act. If there's, if there's no hope, there's no love in the home. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these shooters come out of environments like that. Yeah, it's it's never just out of the blue. There's always quite a history there. Usually, here's an interesting story. Um, <clears throat> this is from uh, San Diego Union Tribune. President Trump considers pulling ICE out of California to let the state learn. And that's a customs, uh, immigration and customs uh, enforcement. Not ice on the road. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't really get that too much. They don't, they don't get too much in the of that. northern part. President Donald Trump said on Thursday that he's considering pulling immigration and customs enforcement officers out of California. <clears throat> Why? Because he feels the state is giving his administration no help in targeting the violent MS-13 gang, especially in Los Angeles. MS-13 is a bad, bad deal, if you've seen any stories on them. Well, didn't they just recently uh, round up like a couple hundred people and deport them like these violent criminals? And that's without the help of local law enforcement officials because California's telling them not to help. That's exactly what Mr. Trump is talking about. So if local law enforcement won't do anything about it, and then federal law enforcement is removed, even just from that last deportation raid, you have 200 more criminals still in the state because ICE is no longer there to take care of it. Yeah. So he he might just let him let him come out. And says uh, he said President Trump said we're getting no help from the state of California. Frankly, if I wanted to pull our people from California, you would have a crime nest like you've never seen in California. All I'd have to say is ICE and Border Patrol let California learn. He said they have the highest taxes in the nation and they don't know what's happening out there. Frankly, it's a disgrace. The sanctuary city situation, the protection of these horrible criminals in California and other places. He said if we ever pulled our ICE out and we ever said, hey, let California learn and let them figure it out for themselves. In two months, they'd be begging for us to come back. They would be begging. <laughs> you can hear him saying that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know about all those uh, exact uh, statements. But for the most part, uh, there is some truth to that. It's it's sort of like the um, the police officers in the inner cities or anywhere where they come under a lot of uh, pressure. And people say, we don't want them around here. And then all of a sudden, if they're not there... Uh, hey, where are the officers? Because uh, who's going to stop this crime wave? It, and I think it would be the same there in California. Well, it's similar to the idea of a gun-free zone. What We've been talking about a lot of solutions for uh, these mass shootings, especially at schools. All these schools are gun-free zones, and yet a lawbreaker is able to bring a gun in anyway. What about if we just decided to plaster on every building that this is a law enforcement-free zone? You can pretty much do almost anything, and you're not going to face deportation for it, at least. Uh, probably the gang members are going to be a little bit more emboldened. They're going to be a bit more belligerent because they know that, well, we don't have any federal immigration officials here to deal with us anymore. And the local officials are turning a blind eye to it because the Democratic leaders in that state uh, just don't want to deal with immigration at all. No, there's a, a, a rebuttal here, a tweet, of course, rebutting through the tweet. Uh, Helen Kennedy says he should do it. The imaginary, the imaginary crime wave will never materialize, and I bet California would be a better place without innocent people being ripped from their families. <laughs> innocent people. He's talking about MS-13. The, those are innocent people? What is she talking about here? This is, 
uh, pay attention to the narrative, right? <laughs> oh, innocent people. Uh, these are not innocent people we're talking about. This is the MS-13 and others. Right. This person is conflating uh, violent gang members with other illegal immigrants. And it is still important to point out that every person here illegally is a criminal by definition because they're not supposed to be in the country and they broke a law to get here. But uh, even still, when the president is specifically talking about violent gang members and you dishonestly pretend like he's just talking about all illegals in general, plenty of people are going to believe uh, propaganda like that. They're not going to look into it for themselves. And it is just frustrating the amount of uh, just bold dishonesty that we see all the time. People who know they're lying, but they also know they can deceive millions of people by it. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, uh, a misunderstanding, at least <laughs> that tweet there, but more probably more uh, intentional than anything. Uh, Grant, you've got this story here to uh, for us today. Uh, and this is kind of looking at, say, the way the media covers the different presidents. And it turns out they're not fair, I guess. Uh, <laughs> this is a note to quote unquote experts. President Obama is not a top 10 president. Right. This this is from a lot of different um I guess surveys of histo- presidential historians recently from C-SPAN and other uh, outlets, and they either put him at tenth all time or twelfth all time. They put him pretty high up on the list. And this author does point out, for one thing, uh, presidents shouldn't be judged for many decades. If you're going to rank them in an all-time list, it should at least be decades later because then you understand the effect that their presidency had on the nation. But here they are, they're already rushing right in and saying uh, that that Barack Obama was one of the top 10 presidents ever. They're already trying to rewrite history and preserve his legacy, which you would think a historian wouldn't be doing because they're not supposed to be biased like that. Yeah, well, and the same same sort of outlets are quick to say that President Trump is the worst president ever. And he's not even done. Like, how can you... How, it's amazing. Even if you look at the realm of sports, it seems like people get so caught up in the present. Like, the person we're seeing now is the greatest that's ever been. And then you talk to somebody that's, you know, 70, and they're like, oh, you never saw so-and-so play. Right. But we, we get so caught up in the moment, and I think that's some of what's happening here. Exactly. And it was described in this piece as Orwellian, just a dishonest rewriting of history. It, it's like uh, the media the elites and pop culture all combining to just basically uh and academics too they're all combining to basically rewrite history and prop up their ideas as superior and they're and they're glossing over the many scandals in the last administration and the many times that his administration was almost violently anti-constitutional oh wow yeah that like at the end of their presidency you remember their presidency, his presidency, where where a lot of people in the staff and the media said, "Well, it's amazing. There was just no no controversies, <laughs> no scandals. It was just scandal free. It's it's hard to believe." And just off the top of my head, I thought, "Oh, I can think of like at least five or six major scandals that are in mo are far more serious than like you know a Watergate or anything like that." And they just no, it's not no scandals. I'm like, I'm like, how could anyone believe that? And uh, but yet, apparently, some people did. I guess. Yeah, I'm just glad I wasn't doing something dangerous like like getting up on a ladder and getting leaves out of a gutter. When I heard something like that, I would have been in for a nasty <laughs> fall because how can you possibly look at eight years of countless scandals? Well, I mean, 
there are so many here that I have to actually go back and look at a couple of them again because they've been drowned out by, right. for one thing, the media not reporting on it much, but also by the many other scandals that he had. And this isn't, and again, this isn't even to attack him, but it's just pointing out the bias here when we're looking back at his presidency. Uh, it says here, Obama was also plagued by more than two dozen scandals, including Fast and Furious, Benghazi, the IRS scandal, the VA scandal, Solyndra, the OPM hacking scandal, the GSA scandal, the Iran ransom scandal, Uranium One, Project Cassandra, the FISA abuse scandal currently being unraveled, just to name a few. And, and again, I don't even remember a couple of those because of how many there were. And I'm going to have to go and look into those again. I mean, it's just amazing that they could say with a straight face that nothing bad happened. Yeah, there are so many. And those are just some of the ones that are, are kind of uh, known by a, you know, a, a particular name. Um, I've read some books about just chronicling some of the things that happened during the administration. I mean, there's two volumes, and they're both thick volumes, and there's not a lot of filler. Mm -hmm. It's just, okay, then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And and that the point you bring out about how there were so many scandals that they actually start to bury each other, it's true. You know, you forget about them because the next one comes up, and it's more egregious than the one before it. And those are only the ones that really hit the radar. Exactly. I mean— and like you said, those books, they're very factual. They're just filled with thousands upon thousands of specific details. Meanwhile, you have the other side not dealing in reality, uh, focusing on calling anyone who disagrees with the last president a racist or a bigot of some kind. They dismiss out of hand every valid criticism of the last president. I mean, he has he has like a couple dozen bullet points here. Um, again, uh, it's not just to say that the last president was a bad president but when historians are pointing out that he was top 10 of all time out of 45 presidents and then at the same time they put mr trump at the bottom of the list despite actually the very many good things he's done it just shows the bias there i mean it just says obama presided over the worst economic recovery since the great uh depression um 95% of the jobs created on his watch uh, were actually just part-time or contract jobs. So it's not like people still are working those same jobs he created. Yeah, and that one always always amazed me because they always had an answer for everything. And people would say, well, the economy hasn't really rebounded. And they'd say, well, imagine how much worse it would be if we hadn't enacted these policies. (laughs) Like that that doesn't – that's not anything that you can really – I suppose if you did a lot of digging, you could actually come back with an actual specific rebuttal to that. But it's sort of it's just so nebulous that uh, it's like, yeah, I don't know if you went to the doctor and you got deathly ill and they're like, well, imagine how much worse it would have been if I hadn't intervened. You're like, well, I don't know. I mean, who's to say? So they were always very nebulous in their responses. Right. Basically, the point was to trash George W. Bush and say that, well, he's the one who collapsed the economy. And so he had Barack Obama had to build it up. But even George W. Bush had 3% GDP growth for at least one quarter of his presidency. Obama's actually the only president in history never to have a single year with at least 3% GDP growth. So the only one in history. And again, we're talking about presidents and their achievements based on an all-time rankings list. Why is he top 10 if he's the absolute bottom when it comes to GDP growth or even adjusted for inflation? He's had eight of the top 10 deficits in history. America's credit rating was downgraded for the first time in history on his watch. His job approval ratings were the most politically polarized in history. So basically only people who agree with him politically uh, were saying that he was doing a good job. Uh, And that and that's to be 
t- a, a given basically for any president. It's a matter of what do people who didn't vote for you think those who are willing to maybe uh, admit that they were wrong a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's astounding. And really the point of it all and the, and the big point to take away is that not only is the media so biased, but the the history teachers today or the, the, the common thinking and the way that history is presented is so off base. I mean, the an expert saying he's a top 10 president. Well, I don't know, go to Russia and ask them who the top 10 communist leaders are. <laughs> well, they they tell you they love Lenin, right? Stalin was great. Well, you know that's you know they were terrible leaders and then what they did, but you you can see that exact same sort of revisionist history. We say it, therefore it is so. Never mind the facts, happening here in the U.S. and it should be more alarming to people. Exactly. I mean, here's this gigantic list of facts. Meanwhile, you have President Trump, and there's a a big list of facts in the positive. But a year into his presidency, they're already. You know they're already saying he's number forty-five out of forty-five presidents ever, and that's that's really beyond comprehension. Uh, and it does just highlight that you can't just take people's word whenever they say this president's good or this one's bad, or you know this policy's good or this one's bad. You have to always look into it for yourself. I mean, there's always going to be an agenda or a bias of some kind. Every person naturally has a bias toward different issues. But we all have to prove things for ourselves. We can't just take it face value, whatever any human being tells us. Right. Yeah, we have to look into it. It's it. This is be, being uh, becoming an exhausting presidency, isn't it? You know, because it's not. There's still years left, and the, I, I'm surprised the media still has energy <laughs> to just keep every day going in there and just being negative and negative, and mm-hmm. because uh, you think you just get tired of it after a while, take a break. Right. But it just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, it, it is. It is uh, vexing. We keep using that word uh, because of what Lot felt like when he was living in Sodom. And it is the same thing today where there's there's no truth anywhere. Sin is everywhere. And it's not it's not only uh, glorified and accepted, but it's also praised as being a brave today. Every, everything's just upside down. And we can't even anal- analyze a president's body of work without. Uh, without totally lying about it. I mean, this this says uh, not once during his presidency did a majority of Americans believe the country was headed in the right direction. Not a single time because race, race relations got worse. The economy got worse. Our, on, the, on the foreign stage, we exalted our enemies and de- debased our friends. I mean, every arena you look at, law was being torn down. Uh, people were being hurt because of uh, government scandals uh people were the, i mean people people were always being victimized in the last administration because the president was just ignoring the constitution to spy on the media to spy on private citizens to maybe tax people harder uh because they didn't agree with the president politically all these things i mean it's just it was a total assault on the things the country was built on and then of course we all remember the benghazi disaster and i still think about that and that should just i think that makes quite a few people upset and that sham of a uh, of a uh oh i guess a hearing they had when they asked questions about it and the infamous what difference does it make at this point and things like that yeah and he said he set the precedent of executive overreach he was completely incapable of working with republicans because he would just trash them in the media all the time and 
and you could obviously say Mr. Trump does the same thing to Democrats, but the Democrats have been refusing to even talk with him about anything. I mean, there is clearly a difference between the Democrats today and the Republicans during Obama's administration. Yeah, it's amazing. You can read more about it at townhall.com. Note to experts, Obama's not a top 10 president, so they're... They have the revisionist history going pretty uh, fast and furious. And yep. and just to be clear, they did point out a lot of the good things that Mr. Trump did to try to rebut his place on the bottom of the list, mm. too. It's not like we're just saying he did a good job and there's no facts to back that up. I mean, the whole article is based in facts, and that's what you generally see on the political right. At least they present their arguments with some facts. Right. So really interesting write-up. There's a lot more to look at there if you want, want to take the moment to do that. <clears throat> Make sure you stop and check out the Trumpet.com today. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Uh, Stephen Flurry today talks about a few things, including the continuing division in the U.S. And really, there's a lot of communist infiltration. Herbert Armstrong warned about that years ago, and the Trumpet continues to warn about that. A lot of good write-ups about that. There is there is an infiltration of communist thinking into the U.S. through uh, some universities and media and other places. And even with this gun debate uh, related to that, Reuters, China, China has a, a thought about maybe what we should do. They have the, the U.S. best interest at heart, right? Chinese paper says U.S. should learn from China, restrict guns, and protect rights. <laughs> they say the United States should learn from China and genuinely protect human rights <laughs> by restricting gun ownership and editorial in a widely read state-run Chinese newspaper set on Friday. I'm sure they'd love that. Just by way of reminder, <laughs> uh, the Tiananmen Square protests of 1989, which I remember, commonly known as mainland China as the June in mainland China as the June 4th incident, were student-led demonstrations in Beijing, the capital of the People's Republic of China. So you remember all the students out there and protesting they want some changes in their government, and the government decided to turn it into the Tiananmen Square massacre. Troops with automatic rifles, see, they had rifles. And tanks killed at least several hundred demonstrators trying to block the military advance towards Tiananmen Square. The number of civilian deaths has been estimated between 180 <laughs> and 10,000. <laughs> so you're never going to get a straight answer there. Uh, so that's China telling us to uh, we should put down our guns. But uh, they're going to go ahead and keep theirs. The government will and their tanks. And if even their own people get in the way, they will crush them, as we saw in the Tiananmen Square massacre. So I think it's good to remember some of that history when uh, China has some advice for the U.S. Absolutely. I mean, not only did they massacre their own people, but because they don't have a free press over there, you couldn't even get anywhere close to an accurate number of the, the amount of people killed. I mean, there's more than a 10,000 person range in this in these estimates. I mean that's that's just absolutely unbelievable that you can't even you can't even ascertain how many people were killed. Uh it's pretty astounding when you think about um the parallels here between what China did and the US now. A lot of people on the left say that President Trump is literally Hitler. And yet one thing Hitler did was actually take away the guns from all the Jews in Germany, all the Jews in Czechoslovakia and these other areas. And then when they were ordered to show up uh, to the middle of the town square, they just had to get on the train and go to the concentration camps. No, not a one of them could shoot to defend themselves. Uh, so that's what Hitler actually advocated. And yet people on the left who call Mr. Trump Hitler are the ones advocating taking the guns. If they're so afraid of President Trump, wouldn't they want 
the people to have more guns to fight back in case he decided to take over like that? It's a great point. But the thing, of course, is that that radical agenda is not based on history or facts. It's based on revisionist history and uh, convenient facts, quote-unquote, and emotion. Yeah, and one of the most irritating things about that is when leftists decide to cite history when generally they have disdain for it and they lie about it all the time. But then whenever it's convenient, they pretend like they know a lot about it and that we need to be looking at our history. It's just constantly... Uh, distorted propaganda type history that they're talking about and sometimes they venture out of just the realm of history and they want to start talking about the bible which is very interesting i didn't i didn't know they they believed in the bible it's the it's the anti-god left if they're going to call people on the right the religious right you have to be honest and say that the left is the anti-god left well cnn's pretty liberal right and i i did not know that they use the bible in their journalism but apparently they do because they wrote something about that. This write-up says, A children's crusade Jesus would be proud of. And this, of course, is talking about the, the Florida kids there from the school shooting. And this author says, The children of Parkland, Florida, are leading and people are listening. Jesus would be proud. Our children, as much as they receive our professions of love, he writes, have not always received our respect. In Jesus' time... Children had very little status, and yet when his disciples were turning away the children and not allowing them to come to receive blessings, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And then the author goes on to say, This week, hundreds of Florida school children are standing up and demanding, demanding the creation of a future that is free of gun violence for them and for all children who will follow. This is the Children's Crusade of 2018. Let the children come, he says. Let them lead. Let them create the future they demand. Let us help them every step of the way, and let us live in the world they create. So, that's his take on what Christ was saying there. But Christ also said, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. So he was talking about an attitude he wasn't talking about being a little baby. And by the way, Christ wasn't holding teenagers. These were sm- these were small babies. Right. They were you could hold he could hold them in his arms, so he wasn't having 17-year-olds come to him in that way. But the point is, what was Christ getting at here? What does he mean when he says that let the children uh, suffer the children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such of such is the kingdom of God. Truly I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Uh, Mr. Brian Davis, host for uh, Live by Every Word, he had a write-up in the Trumpet magazine that you can find at thetrumpet.com. And it's titled, Become as Little Children, What is Real Humility? He says, just what is Christ telling us in these verses? Are we to become immature? Is that what God wants his kingdom to be governed by, a bunch of babies? <laughs> or in this case, teenagers? Obviously not. He goes on to show that what Christ was talking about here was having a proper humility, as in a very small child that is humble and teachable, not one screaming and demanding things. Well, that definitely applies now, because one of the most frustrating things I've seen in the news in a long time is the activism of all these Florida high school students. When I was a a high schooler, a teenager, my parents didn't come to me and say, you know what you need to do is uh, get on national news and start 
advocating for this cause because they'll just they'll just listen to you. You'll be given absolute moral authority because you are a child still. And yet here these kids are and and everything they are saying is taken as gospel. They're not even talking to the ones who the many of them who maybe are children of conservative parents and wouldn't necessarily believe this gun control activism. It, it's like you would you would think looking at these different rallies that every single student at the entire high school is a leftist. Right. And then to go ahead and try to say that that this is what Christ wanted. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Mr. Davis says that God wants us to become humble as little children, not childish in our understanding or actions. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 14.20. Neither is God talking about a put-on outward form of self-denial or penance. True humility must be lived, not put on, as the image that is so often seen of clerics hanging their heads, wearing brown robes, faces drawn and depressed, looking down to the earth with their hands folded. Or we could say people crying and being emotional. He gives some points on what true humility is, and you can read the whole write-up, but I'll just give you the points, and you can look at more of it if you'd like to. But true humility, he says, is serving others, thankfulness, exalting others instead of self, outflowing concern for others, and repentance. He says, it is so easy to grow out of that childlike attitude into a wrong attitude of rebellion. We must guard against this. And then notice this all-important point. All too often, he says, the teenage years bring rebellion, resentment toward authority and or government, and a distrust between themselves and the older generation. They think they know more than their fathers. This can also happen to us spiritually. We must guard against this. Do they know more than their fathers? They know more than the officials. They know more, these teenagers. Yeah, it's just you run out of superlatives to describe uh, what's been happening uh, down there in Florida over the last little over a week. And yet this is what everyone knows to be true of, of young people. It's not like we're saying they're, they're bad people, but they're still developing emotionally. They're still gaining experience. Uh, and all of us go through that stage where we think we know a little bit more than we do. And we have to either have our parents or harsh reality uh, take that that thought out of our minds. We we can't go through our whole lives thinking that we're the greatest in the world and and that all that matters is our self esteem because the real world's going to slap that away from us. Well, and the sad reality is for the teenagers, and I feel I do feel bad for them because they're being used as propaganda for somebody else's ideas. There's a there's a whole group of the older generation, quote unquote, that is putting them up to what they're doing. And uh, getting them out there to, you know, put forward one political ideology. But when a writer wants to talk about the fact that Christ would approve, uh, he has no idea what he's talking about. Don't don't believe it. Don't believe a word that guy wrote because it's completely false. He doesn't understand the fact that Christ was talking about real humility here. And also, look at the way Christ treated his father. Always perfect respect and obedience. Mm. He didn't come and, and say, yeah, forget my father's laws. I know how to do it. You follow me. He, he talked about the father. He revealed the father, and he followed his father's will perfectly. Well, what you just said there reveals some of the danger of traditional Christianity because they actually teach that he did do away with his father's law. And so maybe if that's what people think Christ did, uh, these, these 
teenagers might actually be following that false example. Uh, it's not what Christ did at all. But a lot of these teenagers are doing very much that. They're saying, why have you who have gone before us failed us so much? And why, why don't you know anything about how to enact gun control legislation like we do? You know, we, we experienced a shooting and now we have all this expertise about how to solve the problem. I mean, they're basically just trying to overthrow an entire generation that's, that's come before them uh, because they went through one traumatic experience, which, by the way, would actually blur their understanding of the situation. It wouldn't help. They're still trying to cope with the problem. Well, it's, it's pretty uh, – you, you have to ignore a lot of history <laughs> to think that we've come to some sort of understanding about the topic now. The Founding Fathers, I mean, they, they fought against – the British Empire for freedom. They went through an entire war, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of guns involved, mm-hmm. and they knew that we needed uh, a certain set of rules and regulations to keep us a free people. They weren't just willy-nilly coming up with stuff. <laughs> they they knew what they were doing. Right. The citizens actually are allowed to have guns because that's their veto against tyranny, and serfs don't have any choice. They obey their masters because they don't have a choice. When it comes to obeying God, there should be a complete and total surrender, but but the Bible says cursed is the man that trusts in man. So if we're just going to blindly believe that there is no way that tyranny could ever take hold in America, we're completely leaving out the revolution, the revolutionary war that is what made America a nation in the first place. Right. Any, any government of man, when given the opportunity to take that much power, will take it and they will abuse it. That's just human nature. Mr. Davis uh, sums up what attitude we need to have here and what Christ was talking about when he talked about being as a small child uh, and entering into the kingdom of God with that attitude. He says, as we draw closer to the return of Jesus Christ, we don't hear a lot about that today either. Uh, Let's not be immature babies, unable to come off the mother's milk. In other words, we have to be mature enough to handle the truth of God. Neither can we be proud, rebellious teenagers. Rather, let's strive to be mature obedient, thankful, and very humble children of God. So whenever we look at these protests and this type of thing, think about that. Do do we see mature, obedient, thankful, humble people up there making a point? I haven't seen a lot of that. Well, no, because they're comparing Republicans to the school shooter or to the gun itself, um, and they're saying that they don't care about their own children being killed. I mean, anytime you frame an argument like that, there's no there's no reason to even waste time debating it anymore because you're acting like half the population in this country is just made up of a bunch of heartless soulless monsters and that's not that's not true at all but these young people are so stirred up and one of them even said the other day their whole movement is fueled on emotion and passion never once said that there was any truth or facts in it they just have passion and they're going to beat people over the head until finally uh, adults cave in and give them what they want. That's obviously uh, not what Christ was talking about becoming as little children. Did anybody ever read the book Lord of the Flies? I mean, there's some uh, obviously fictional tale, but I mean, there's probably some truth to that. Things just get out of hand pretty quick if there's not somebody with a little more wisdom in a law-abiding society saying, uh, hang, on, hang on a second. We we need to keep this in check a little bit. Well, what is public school like? Has any <laughs> Has any one of us here in the studio or listening or anyone out there in the whole world ever thought that, yeah, you know what? The most civilized people among us, the ones who know 
how to enact policy are the the young people who beat each other up and shove each other into lockers and are are it, it is a savage environment in public yeah, school. I mean, is. we've all we've all been through that, and thankfully, we survived that and went into a society where uh, the adults don't necessarily always act that way. And we're very thankful to have come through that and realized that well, we have a lot to learn because. That's how we act when we're young people. Well, and two of my favorite example that I always like to trot out is uh, getting a mortgage. Now, so you're going to have young people determining a very serious topic like gun debate. Uh, can they buy a house? Is a bank going to give them a mortgage? Of course not, because they wouldn't trust them, and they're not in a position to do it. There are things that you are not in position to do or decisions you're not in position to make until you're of a certain age. There's all kinds of laws like that. You don't you don't let three year olds drive cars. <laughs> they may want to, or they probably would like it, but it's dangerous, so we don't let them do that. Uh, you're not able <laughs> to make some of these big decisions until you re- reach a certain level of maturity. And like Mr. Davis points out in the, in that great write up, you know, God's kingdom is not going to be ruled by a bunch of babies. It's going to be ruled by God the Father, and then right under Him, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> Is not infantile in his thinking or his actions. All wise, exactly. And and that it's it's pretty obvious actually that even people on the left don't respect the teens like they're uh, pretending they do. Because uh, while they're saying these kids know all that they're talking about because they went through this shooting, and they're so smart about their activism that they should even be allowed to vote at sixteen instead of eighteen. Even at the same time, we need to raise the the age that they can buy a gun from 18 to 21 so they're they're very smart they they know what they're talking about but we don't trust them to have a gun we don't think that they are actually developed enough mentally mature enough emotionally to buy a firearm like we're talking about i mean it's a clear logical contradiction there they're they're clearly just using these kids and hopefully uh years down the road maybe these kids will come to realize that it's 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 just abominable what they're doing to those kids and like you said, uh, there won't be government like that in the future where they hold up kids as props and they they shut down any debate. There won't be debate in the future because we'll all know what right and wrong is. We won't have to have these emotion-filled, factless debates. Yeah, I was just thinking, too. I didn't write the scriptures down, but you can just think of the examples. How does God talk to humans about children? He tells the parents, train up a child in the way he should go so that when he's old, he won't depart from it. He doesn't say children train up the adults. He also talks about teaching your children about God as you walk in the way, as you're in your house. You know, he's saying, look, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, make sure you really teach them about me and my ways. He doesn't say, children, please inform the parents on how things should be based upon your emotions or how another adult told you to do something. He's telling the parents to take their responsibility and teach the children. And if you want to look at the honest truth of it, the only reason you have a school shooter is because somewhere along the line, parents didn't teach their children. Mm-hmm. That's That would solve the whole the whole shebang, if you will. But but now they want to flip it and say the kids need to teach everybody how to live. Well, that's the only way that the older generation has failed in, in not raising kids the right way. When you have a group of kids like that that are shouting in the face of adults and calling them all these names uh, there was a failure in parenting there too and that's that's where things went off track Uh, and of course like you said in some extreme cases that could even lead to what we saw with that school shooter 
but that's that's the parent's responsibility to make sure that the kids are humble that they're able to listen without booing a speaker they disagree with or being triggered by some that someone they disagree with where where was the dialogue in the home where was the conversation and maybe the instruction on social graces in the home so that these kids are not acting this way well there's that example that one kid talking to uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, well i think it was mr rubio right and he said you know i see you i see a gun and all this well you know i've got a son and i think if he said something like that to a public official and within my earshot i would uh, have a word at least <laughs> don't you don't talk that way to people in authority right <laughs> you can you can have a disagreement exactly but you do not disrespect the authority like that because if you disrespect that you'll also disrespect the officer down the street mm-hmm. and you're not going to follow any laws so anyway there's a whole lot more we wanted to get into we just ran out of time but if you look at the book Isaiah's End Time Vision and you just search through there about Isaiah 3 it gives you a whole lot about what God says will be it will be like in this nation in this end time and it talks about children but it doesn't talk about them in a, them leading us it talks about childish leaders right and their lives are going to change radically in the very near future and, and prophecies say it's not going to be a, a very good future for a lot of them because of just the sins of the people. So a lot, lot to look at there. Make sure you look at Isaiah's End Time Vision. Also that uh, write-up that we mentioned earlier, Become as Little Children, What is Real Humility? That gets to the heart of what Christ was actually talking about. So that's very important to know. That's all the time we have for today on this uh, weekend edition of Trumpet Radio Live. Hope you have a great weekend. Key David program, Trumpet Daily Radio Show, Trumpet Hour Week in Review, Watch Jerusalem. Coming up for Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.